Hello, here we go again. I'm Ray. Welcome to Ray's Rants. The time is 5 to 11, 2nd of June, 2023. Ian, thank you for the uh, email you sent me and the link to Watney's Red Barrel, a film, Watney's Red Barrel, all about how they felt that the, the name and the beer was becoming a bit stale, excuse the pun. So they renamed it Watney's Red and uh, all about the Red Revolution. That was their kind of marketing campaign. I do remember that, Ian, from many, many, many moons ago. The weather, 14C at the moment, which is 57 Fahrenheit, 67% humidity, 1024 millibars, and the wind, where's the flag? It's still from the east. We've got high pressure to the west, sort of northwest of Scotland, and that's causing wind to go in a, a clockwise motion right the way over the North Sea and down over us. So it's coming from the east as it gets to us, of course. We went to Littlehampton Seafront this morning, got grandson staying here, eight-year-old grandson, for a couple of days. And we said, he loves mini golf. We said, we'll go to Littlehampton, we'll play mini golf on the seafront. Then we'll go to the park where there's a lake and swings and all sorts of things absolutely, I nearly swore then, absolutely freezing on the seafront playing crazy golf. We were cold. He had shorts on, as you do, it's summer. Luckily, Trish had put jeans on. I had just had a, a flimsy jacket and my flimsy shirt. Absolutely freezing we were. Anyway, we played uh, crazy golf and Trisha won, as always. It's not mini golf, it's, it's crazy golf where you have to knock the ball up through all sorts of obstacle courses and things, you know, down a, a hole through a tunnel and out of a drain pipe and all that stuff, which is normally good fun, but not when there's that bitterly cold wind. I've called this episode, what have I called it? I forget. <laughs> nature table. That's it, nature table. Now, talking of grandson, I said to him, did you have or have you got at your school a nature table? And he said, uh, no, we've got benches and I said, yeah, but have you got anywhere where you collect things in the woods? Acorns, conkers, leaves, sticks, anything of interest and take to school and put on a table or wherever for everyone to see. And he said, no. And I thought that was a shame. And I was explaining in my day and in Trisha's day, we would take in things to school that we'd found in the fields, in the woods, wherever to do with nature. I remember one boy, he brought in a a skull of a mouse. The teacher said it was a, a, a skull from a mouse. That was quite interesting. We, we studied that and had a good look. Anyway, grandson said, no, 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 we haven't got anything like that. So I said, well, you, you don't learn about things in the woods. Oh, yes, yeah. Next to the school, he said, we've got woods right next to the school. That's handy because he's not in a kind of city centre school. You know, they're out in the stick somewhere. And he said, what they do is they go in the woods. The teacher takes the whole class off into the woods. I don't know whether that's once a week or just now and then, but that's fantastic. And he was telling me the things they find, bits and pieces, and the teacher explains things. So that's really good. I was pleased about that. When I was, I must have been seven or eight years old at primary school, we had a cornfield right next to the playground and the corn was growing right up to the fence the kind of chain link or whatever it is, fence. So we could just reach through and uh, eat the corn or the wheat. What's the difference between wheat and corn? I don't know. 
And that was great. We used to chew that and uh, play time. And we saw when the combine harvester was working, that was fantastic. Little mice would run out. Are they field mice, door mice, whatever mice they were? The teacher did tell us, but I can't remember. And they'd run into the playground. Of course, they'd realise, oh, look, it's full of kids. So they'd run across the playground or back into the field or wherever. And that was really good. And one of the teachers, because they had teachers on what they called playground duty, one of the teachers who was very knowledgeable, she came over and she was explaining, I forget, I think they were field mice, weren't they? They must be. And rabbits. Rabbits hopped out of the the corn when the, the combine harvester was going along. That was good. So our school was literally surrounded by nature. Because down the side of the school, from the pavement, you know, where you, the entrance is, there was a footpath down the side. When I say a footpath, it was just in the long grass where people had walked. So after school one day, we often went down there, but one day a few of us were walking down the footpath. We were off to see the pond, to see how the newts were getting on and tadpoles, sticklebacks, water boatmen, all these things in the pond. And we noticed, I think there were three or four of us, and we looked round and the teacher, one of the teachers was following us. And we were all thinking, oh no, here we go, we're in trouble. We're thinking we're going to be in trouble. And the teacher said, oh, wait for me. So we did, and she caught us up. And she said, where are you all off to? We said, well, we're going to the pond. Oh, good. She said, I'll come with you. And apparently she knew about the pond. She'd been there in her break. And she was telling us all about it. What the thing is, the point of the story is, She was taking an interest in us and creating interest in us kids about nature and all the rest of it. It was fantastic. When we got to the pond, she was pointing out things. I can't remember now, but we knew water boatmen. We knew, obviously, frogs and tadpoles and newts. But she was pointing out a lot of other things. There was the larvae of something. I can't remember now. It's Goodness me, it's getting on for, well, it must be, what, 65 years ago. <laughs> so I can't remember. Um, anyway, that was the point, though, that she was taking an interest in us kids and teaching us, even though it was outside the school, after the school, you know, it was going home time. So that was really good. I was just wondering, does that happen these days? What happens to kids at school in inner cities type schools? How do they get on? Do they learn about nature? Do they have coach trips out to the woods or something? I don't know. It's just something that I've been wondering about today. Now, if you remember, I mentioned this last Wednesday on the midweek message and had a couple of emails. Jacqueline, hello, Jacqueline. She says uh, when she was at school, they had a nature table and someone bought in a a skull, which is uh, like the mouse that we had. Well, it's not like the mouse we had. It was a big skull. And what it was, the teacher said, that's a cat. Where did you get a cat skull? And he said, oh, that was our cat. It was, they buried it in the garden years ago. And he dug the thing up and it was just the skeleton of the cat. Apparently the cat was around before he was born. So it had been there years. But there was this little place that his mum and dad had marked. That was the cat's grave. And he dug it up and taken the skeleton into school. I like that, Jacqueline. Well, actually, I don't know whether I do like that. Anyway, she said that all the kids screamed when they found out it was a cat. They didn't like that. And the teacher told him to take it home. And <laughs> She did contact the parents, Jacqueline says, uh, the teacher, just to make sure that the, the skull was returned to the rest of the cat's body. Oh, dear. We didn't have anything like that brought in. 
We did have various bits and pieces, leaves from trees. I remember being shown leaves from an oak tree and that's how I identify oak trees and to this day I remember the leaves on the nature table. When I see a tree I know it's an oak tree from its leaves. So we did learn. We learned all sorts of things, various trees. The teacher in our class was particularly interested in nature herself. In fact it was the one that had gone down to the pond with us and she was telling us all the different leaves and which trees they'd come from. She knew a lot, you know, it was good. She didn't have to look it up in books. And it was really useful to us. One of the boys brought in a bird's egg, and she said that which, it was a blackbird. She said, that's bad, you must not take eggs. So that's where, at that young age, you know, we were told in no uncertain terms, do not take eggs out of bird's nests. So he, I remember he said, I'll put it back. She said, well, it's too late now, it'll be dead. And uh, she explained about eggs and how the birds keep them warm. And then we went on to birds' nests and she was telling us different types. That's how I learnt about the wren's nest, which is basically a ball, say the size of a big orange or grapefruit, with a hole in the front, made out of moss and things. And I found one in the woods, I found one. And I watched the wren go in and out. That was fantastic. So I found that really interesting, far more interesting than... What happened in 1066? I don't know. I've no idea. Well, I do. It was the Battle of Hastings, wasn't it? But that was far more interesting than history, I found anyway. Another email from Reg. Hello, Reg. Hope you're listening. He said that uh, they had a nature table at school. Don't know how old you are, Reg, judging by your email, about the same age as me. Had a nature table at school in the 50s, which is what we did. Yes, it was uh, because I was born in 51. So, yeah, in the 50s. And he said that he learned a lot. All the kids were bringing in different things. Again, he lived outside a a large town. And he says there was a lot of countryside around. So they wander down to the stream and through the woods and all fields and farmland. And they found all sorts. He said that one one boy took in a coin. And the teacher said, where'd you get that from? Oh, it was in a field. He, He poked around in this field and found a coin. And she said, have you shown your parents? And he said, no, it was a Roman coin. How about that? Reg doesn't say what happened. Well, no, he says he doesn't know what happened. I don't know what things like that. Do you have to hand them in? No, you can keep things like that, can't you? I'm not sure. But that was interesting, not really to do with nature. I suppose to do with history, like 1066. (laughs) But that's interesting. And Reg, as uh, Jacqueline and myself have all experienced, children bringing in all sorts of different items. In fact, I had a nature table. Well, it wasn't a table. It was the top of a a chest of drawers in my bedroom. I cleared a space there and I took bits and pieces home and I had my own nature table. I did have a bird's egg on the table. I was told it was a pigeon. Now, I didn't take it out of a nest. I found it on the ground in the woods. It was on the ground and someone said to me, that's a pigeon's egg. Of course, I couldn't, I couldn't even see a nest. I looked up. I, couldn't, I don't know where pigeons nest. Are they high in trees? I don't know. But someone said it was a pigeon's egg and it was on the ground. So I took that home and I made a hole each end and you have to blow the egg, don't you? Do you remember that? I made a hole each end with a pin and then blow with your mouth and you get all the inside out of the egg. Otherwise it I suppose it just rots. I don't know what it does. And there wasn't a chick in there. It was just like a a chicken's egg that you break open. It looked just like that. The yolk and the rest of it. 
So yes, on my nature table, I collected all sorts of bits. One thing we did collect was uh, shotgun cartridges, you know, the shells, because people used to go shooting things in the woods with their 12 bore shotguns. And we used to collect the cartridges. And I remember taking some of those, a few of us took them into school and the teacher said, oh no, we don't want those on our nature table. Yeah, that's to do with killing wildlife. We don't want that. So we weren't allowed to <laughs> take in shotgun cartridges. I had a load at home. I think they must have been thrown out in the end. I don't know what to do with them. They smelt of gunpowder. That was quite nice. You could smell the gunpowder in them. I must have been the same sort of age, sort of eight years old, when I was out with my grandfather. I think the whole family went. And uh, my grandfather found, he said, look, it's a gin trap. You know a gin trap? Now, they're illegal now. I don't know whether they were in the 50s, probably. And he got this big stick. He said, look, keep back and I'll show you what it does. He got this big stick, put it in the middle of this trap on the plate, metal plate. And these jaws snapped shut. You know, cracked the stick in half. And I remember saying to him, well, what's that for? And he said, well, that's for trapping animals. And I said, but that would break their leg off, wouldn't it? And he said, yes, it breaks their leg. And uh, to escape... Very often they will chew through their leg, eat their leg off to escape because they die anyway. And he took it home. It was connected to, to a stake and a chain and the rest of it. And he dug it up and he took it home. Well, dug it up, pulled it up somehow. And I remember it was on the wall of his garage. He hung it up there and it was there for years. I think they're illegal. Well, they, they are now, aren't they? I'm not sure about the 50s. Something else for me to look into. My look into book is huge now absolutely it's full of stuff absolutely huge I can say absolutely oh that's that other one isn't it absolutely that's uh, in place of yes which is wrong and I mean now did I mention I did mention that Wednesday didn't I have you now got that in your mind and whenever you hear someone say I mean you think oh Ray mentioned that I wish he hadn't I wish I hadn't heard him say that what's the weather like today well, I mean, it's quite nice, apart from the wind. What do you mean, I mean? What do you mean, I mean? <laughs> Isn't it funny, the things people say? If you listen to yourself, I remember doing this as a kid. We had a tape recorder. My dad bought a reel-to-reel -reel tape recorder, and we were allowed to have a go on it. And when you listen to yourself, your voice back, playing back, the first thing you think is, oh, I sound awful. I sound dreadful. Is that what people hear? Oh, my goodness. And the second thing, if you record enough, is the things you, you say, you come out with, uh, well, they idio, not idiosyncrasies, I don't know, <laughs> idiotic things, uh, like absolutely, and I mean, and of course, one of the, the ones today is like, oh, I went to the beach and I was like, oh, it's so hot. And my friend was like, you're not joking, it is really hot. And I was like, I'm going to have to go and have an ice cream. And she was like, yes, I'm going to come with you. I mean, what's all this like? What's all this she was like? I was like, they were like, <laughs> it was like stone the crows. I've been trying to think what we said at school in the 50s and 60s. I don't remember saying fab and you dig. They were supposed to be popular things in the 60s. I don't remember anyone saying dig. You dig, man. Oh, fab. <laughs> oh, square is the other one. If you're a square, then you're not much fun. You don't like going out. You don't like pubs and clubs. You're a bit of a square. Why it was square, not round, I've no idea. <laughs> Happy days.
Did I tell you about our frog in the little pond we've got? The tadpoles are doing well. No legs on them yet, but they're doing well. They're getting fatter. But we found a dead frog on the patio and a little pool of blood by him. Something had got him a cat or something, I don't know. Do squirrels attack frogs? Probably, I don't know. Or it could have been a seagull. We've got several of those that come down into the garden. We have to be a bit careful with the tortoise because he's out and about every day now. And a friend of ours, their tortoise had his tail bitten off by, uh, I think I think they said it was a seagull. It was a big bird anyway, and uh, bit his tail off. So that wasn't good. The tortoise the other day, he came into the kitchen. He came up, I said to Trish, he won't climb that step up into the kitchen. And he did. Apparently they can climb up fences if there's something to grip onto. I don't know what they think they're going to do when they get to the top. Presumably they fall off and land on their backs and then they're stuck. That's an odd design, isn't it? If they're on their back, they can't right themselves, so they die. I think some of them are able to rock or something like that and they, they might be able to right themselves, but I think in the main they just, they're stuck on their back and that's it. Nature's a funny old business. We've been watching Spring Watch, you know, with Michaela, 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 Michaela Strackham and uh, is it Megan McCubbin and Chris Packham, of course, Spring Watch on BBC. And there was this jay. They're lovely birds, jays. We've got a pair of jays that often visit our garden. But this was awful. This jay went to a wren's nest and pulled out one of the chicks and flew off with it. Then came back, took another chick. I think there were three or four chicks in the wren's nest and the thing had the lot. That was that. And then later, a jay went to, what was it? Not a goshawk, um, some other nest. I can't remember what the bird was. And ate all the chicks. I mean, it's, nature's awful, isn't it? When you, you think about some of the, what's that, an email? When you think about some of these things. I don't know why it is that animals have to eat other animals. And there was, oh, was it the goshawk or the buzzard? Chris Packham was saying, now it needs something to eat the jay. It's a sort of part of the, the food chain. And he said, there is something that eats it. It was either a goshawk or a, a buzzard or something or other. They eat jays. So, so it goes on. Of course, we're supposed to be at the top of the food chain, aren't we? But isn't nature odd? Little damsel flies and other insects all hovering about, minding their own business. Along comes some bird and snap. That's it. That's the end of you, mate. <laughs> Your dinner for my chicks. Isn't it strange how... Life has to eat other life to survive. And there was one, I think this was the goshawks. They, one of the little chicks is what they call a runt chick. You know, he's very small and not very well. And it died. So what did the mother do? Pulled it to bits and fed it to its brothers and sisters. I, <laughs> I mean, that's not very nice, is it? The poor little thing had died. Anyway, that's nature for you. I think I've told you before, when we took the grandchildren to the Isle of Wight many years ago, we went to, I think it's Tupnell's Farm, really nice place, well worth a visit. And the lady there was saying, right, what's this egg? What's this egg from? And all the kids are looking, whoa, <laughs> a big blue sort of turquoise type blue egg. And our eldest granddaughter, was she She was about eight at the time. She said, a cow. <laughs> And one of the, the younger grandchildren, they were, well, they must have been about six, one said a duck, and she was right, but a cow, a cow's egg. Of course, everyone's laughing. But again, all the kids there learned that that was from a duck. I was over the farm once when I was about 10 years old, loads of farmland near us, 
and I saw some ducks waddling around on the pathway and I saw one of them lay this egg and walked off. It just left it there in the middle of the path. So I picked it up and it was soft and it was hot. And I took it home and I said to my mum, look, a duck's egg. She said, well, what do you want to do? Do you want me to cook it? And I, I said, no, I don't want to cook it. I did try a duck. So was it that time? Do you know, I can't remember. Again, it's hundreds of years ago. I did try a duck's egg somewhere once. Perhaps it was that one. And I didn't like it at all. I'm actually quite lucky that there wasn't a chick in this one. You know, had it been fertilised, there would have been a, a little chick duck in there. But uh, someone said, oh, you should have left it on the path. Well, I don't know. But it was interesting, though, to see this duck lay this egg and then just walk off. You know, imagine um, having a baby. And then you have your baby and just walk off and leave it. <laughs> well, it's now Saturday morning. The temperature's not too bad. Low 20s at the moment. Where are we? 20 past nine. It's just that wind from the east that it is still... It is a wind, it's not a breeze. There are flags going mad out there. And it is cold. If you're in the shade, in the wind, it is really cold. But of course, under our patio roof at the back, I just checked out there, I think it's 26 already, 26C, whatever that is in Fahrenheit. And of course, it's sheltered, there's no wind, so it's too hot. <laughs> you got too cold or too hot. It's all good fun, isn't it? had an email from Gerald about half an hour ago. Hello, Gerald, if you're listening. The bicycle pictures, signs, whatever, logos in the middle of the road on the roundabout. Do you know I was talking about those? He reckons that they are there to say, be aware of cyclists, of bicycles. Be aware. Well, in that case, why is it just on that one roundabout? Are there more bikes there than anywhere else? I don't know. It's crazy. I was just saying to Trish on the way back from my mum's. We popped round there to see her. She's all right. I was asking her what she reckons. Why aren't there cycle signs all over the place? Because wherever you go, there are bikes. Not just on that one roundabout, surely. I think the world's gone mad. Again, I was looking at all the white lines on the roads as we're driving along. There are white lines. They appear overnight. They're everywhere. I just don't know what half of them are for. Trish, <laughs> she said, you better look in the highway code and do a refresher. And I said, well, that must change every month, the highway code. I'll have to get the latest edition, probably get it online. But she did look up online as we're driving along about these cycle signs. And there's no sort of decisive whatever. There's no, that, no one knows what they're for. But it does appear that the general consensus is that, well, they're there to say, be aware of bikes. I mean, which you are anyway. There's another roundabout we've got, uh, quite a large one. And there are give way signs, you know, the, the double dotted broken lines, give way, like you get at a junction to a main road, it's give way or stop. But these are give way signs on a roundabout. I mean, I've never seen that before. When I first started driving back in the, whenever, 1888 or whenever it was, we didn't have white lines everywhere and traffic signs, road signs all over the place. I mean, you are now surrounded, honestly. And what with that and looking at the potholes, you can't look where you're going at all. Perhaps that's why they're there. Be aware of bikes, because no one can look at the road anymore. No one can be aware of bikes. They're too busy looking at white lines and signs everywhere. Crazy. Does anyone know about Cluedo? Have you ever played Cluedo? I've never played it before. You know, it, it was the, the vicar in the library with the, the lead pipe. He was the murderer. Have you played that? Played it for the first time yesterday with our grandson. He's gone back now. 
and <laughs> I got told off. Trisha told me off. I said, Miss Scarlet did it in the bedroom with the vicar. <laughs> and our grandson saying, but there isn't a bedroom, Grandad. Look, there's a dining room and there's a whatever, a kitchen and a lounge. There's no bedroom. Anyway, I got told off for that. I thought it was quite funny, but uh, he wouldn't have understood anyway what I was talking about. But it's a great game, Cluedo. I actually did win on one occasion. We had two or three goes at it and I did win on one occasion, even though I wasn't quite sure what I was doing. It's not complicated, but you've got to sort of get your head around what's going on. Trish was reading out the rules as we were going. <laughs> Great fun. Trouble is, it's for a minimum of three players. Because uh, I was saying, well, we can have a go at this, you know, when grandson's gone home, just the two of us. But apparently you can't. It's uh, for three or more players. Who hates Monopoly? I don't think I've ever known anyone that likes a game of Monopoly. People, <laughs> people try to lose deliberately. I must admit, when I was young, we played it at home. Uh, you know, brothers, sisters, that we played. And I used to lose deliberately. And then when we had our, our own kids, again, I would lose deliberately. Someone would stop on one of my uh, one of my properties. I've got a hotel on there and I'd pretend I hadn't seen it. And they'd, they'd then move on and they'd say, oh, look, you missed that. You missed that one. You could have had £3,000 in rent. Oh, no, what a shame. And of course, I ran out of money and I'd land on other people's hotels and make sure they'd notice so I could lose <laughs> it was funny and Trish she, she does the same so the kids are left playing on their own it's quite funny but Monopoly I mean it's a great game if you've got time to sit there for it could be a couple of hours or more this is the problem with Monopoly it goes on and on and on I remember at home you know when I lived at home with my parents the whole Sunday afternoon could be taken up with a game of Monopoly and I don't know, it's just, for kids, I think, anyway, it gets a bit boring. Trivial Pursuit, I never did like that. I'll tell you why, because I couldn't answer any of the questions. I just couldn't answer any. I'm no good at general knowledge. I don't mind games, board games, you know, where you basically it's all the luck of the dice. Is it dice or die? I think die is more than one, isn't it? Is it one dice? Yeah, one is one die. It dice, I don't know. But it's all down to the luck of the dice, isn't it? Or the die. There's no general knowledge questions in there. Used to play Ludo as a kid. Snakes and ladders. Do you remember all that? They were great. Great times. Again, kids don't play that. I mean, they have online games. I was watching grandson play an online game and it's all monsters and dragons and <laughs> stuff like that. People flying through the air and weird machines. Times have changed, haven't they? Times have moved on. No good complaining about it. No good saying, oh, when I was a boy, which I do. And I will carry on doing when I was a boy. <laughs> it's great fun, though, isn't it? Having kids and playing games, you know, all these board games and whatever. It's all good fun. I asked our grandson whether he, he's got a scrapbook or two or three scrapbooks as we used to have. What's a scrapbook, Grandad? Well, it's a book that you stick things in. You might stick in newspaper articles or whatever bits and pieces, just things of interest. No, I haven't got a scrapbook. <laughs> now, that's something that we all had as kids. In mine, I used to have articles out of various um, radio magazines, articles, photographs of aerials, and you know, being a, a ham radio nerd, even when I was in my, well, sort of eight, nine, ten years old, 12 years old, I had a scrapbook. 
anything about pirate radio that was in the newspaper, anything like that. That was a bit older then when I was, uh, let me see, I was 12 in 63, wasn't I? Was I? Yeah, something like that. So the pirate ships were out of the North Sea and I'd cut out things from the newspaper and stick them in the scrapbook. And pressing flowers. Do you remember pressing flowers in books and leaves and things? I used to do that. I mean, these days, if you say to a boy, you know, do you, do you press flowers? He'd say, well, what do you think I am? <laughs> I was going to say something else, but I better not. It's a bit of a, uh, what is it? Um, a girl? No, it's not a girl. I can't say that, can I? Pressing flowers is for girls. Stone the crows, I get arrested. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. What's happened to the world? Anyway, did you press flowers when you were young? I won't say when you were a boy or a girl. When you were young, did you press flowers? I did. And I remember years later opening a book and thinking, oh, what's this? Oh, look, it's a pressed flower. And it was lovely. It was dry, of course. It had dried out properly and it was really nice. And I put a few of those in a scrapbook. I was interested in biology at school. That was another thing. But we never dissected frogs and things. I don't think I would have liked that. You know, you dissect frogs, you cut off their back legs and then connect a battery with a couple of wires to their legs and the, the legs jump because that's how it operates, isn't it? Electrical impulses. We didn't have to dissect anything at school, which is good. I don't think I would have liked cutting things open with a scalpel. Mind you, in our school, I don't think they'd have trusted us with a, with a scalpel or sharp knives. <laughs> no, but it was interesting. I used to like science at school especially anything about electricity and magnetism. In fact, our science master, well, he was a bit weird. I think he should have been arrested, but that's, that's another issue. But he was at least interested in teaching us about electricity and magnetism. And he showed us magnesium. Is it magnesium? You know, you, you, it goes into flames, doesn't it? Bursts into flames. Of course, after that, we're all trying to find out where you get hold of magnesium, because that's great fun. <laughs> And sulfuric acid. Now, do you pour in the water first all this sulfuric acid into a glass tumbler? If you get it the wrong way around, it cuts the glass tumbler, doesn't it, in half? So, of course, the, I remember going to the chemist with one of the lads from school. Have you got any sulfuric acid? And the, the chap looking at it, no, I haven't, no. And if I had, I wouldn't sell it to you. <laughs> got any magnesium? No, I have not. I bet he did have out the back sulfuric acid. Imagine selling that to kids. You get home, you pour it into a glass Pyrex dish, you know, you borrow it from your mum's kitchen, and then you drop something. Oh, hang on, I've dropped something in the bowl of sulfuric acid. Put your hand in to get it out. Oh, hang on, where's my hand gone? I've got no hand. Oh, no, I don't think it uh, would have been a good idea to sell that to children, especially us a lot from our school. I dread to think what we would have done with it. Just going back to that, that was the secondary modern school when we were, what, 12, 13, 14 Going back to primary school when I was, say, eight, nine, ten, I remember again one of the... There were a few teachers that did take a great interest in the subject they were teaching and in us children. And I remember one talking about importing food from other countries, all about um, beef and stuff like that. What was it? Uh, corned beef came from Argentina, corned beef. Because I think there was a problem at some stage... It, it was bad and it was giving people food poisoning or something. And she was telling us all about corned beef, where beef comes from and how it gets here on the ships and all this stuff. And uh, you know, it was just really interesting. 
and she made it interesting because she was interested. Whereas at the secondary school, when we were older, as I said earlier, I think that a lot of the teachers, they were as bored as we were. They'd just sit there staring out of the window, open your books at page 25 and write something about that. So we're all getting on with that. And the teachers either reading the newspaper, having a cigarette and listening to a transistor radio, or staring out of the window, just gazing out of the window. You know, it just wasn't interested in us. And we found it boring because I think he found it boring. But there, whatever, whatever. I didn't really learn anything at school. As I've said before, I left at 14 and went out to work at 15. Another thing that I found interesting, one Friday we were told to go out into the country and go and find some sheep and get the wool from the, the barbed wire fences around the field or the bushes, get some wool and take it into school, which we did. We took this wool in and this teacher, Mr West his name, Mr West, horrible little man, he didn't like me and I didn't like him. Mind you, I didn't like anyone. <laughs> and he said, right, you've got to spin it into uh, you know, a length of wool for knitting. And I was helping this other chap because he was a bit stuck. He was a little bit, um, not, not retarded, but he was a bit slow, put it that way. He was a bit slow and I was helping him. So I showed him how to, I did his wool with him. Then I sat down at my desk to do mine. And this West bloke, this teacher, he said, Right, that's it. Let's have a look at your wool. Because I hadn't done mine. Two conduct marks, boy. Conduct marks were uh, half an hour, I think, detention after school. And I had two in a row. So we leave school at four. I'm there till five. Because I hadn't done my work. And I said, well, I was trying to help. Don't answer me back. Yeah, but I was trying to. Uh, three conduct marks off. Silly. And then he swore then. I'll never forget that. I was trying to explain. In fact, Trish at school, this is another example. She was about eight years old. She remembers this vividly. Someone in her class had done uh, noughts and crosses on one of the, the books, a textbook, whatever book it was. And the teacher said, right, you, you and you, got about three or four girls up front. Which one of you did this? Then she said, oh, Belinda, I know you wouldn't have done it. You can sit down. And she asked the other girls. Anyway, she ended up, she said, right, uh, Trisha, you did it. And Trisha hadn't done it. It wasn't her. And this teacher, I forget what happened. Did she get the slipper or something? You know, where you get whacked. And Trisha, it wasn't so much the punishment, but it was the false accusation. You know, she hadn't done it. And even to this day, it, it really winds her up. I remember that. It wasn't me. I didn't do noughts and crosses on that book. Oh, that's what it was. The teacher said to the class, who can do noughts and crosses? Who knows how to play that? Of course, Trish puts her hand up along with some other girls. Right, you lot come out the front. And she whittled it down to Trisha. There we are. One of the teachers, when I was in the primary school, again, about eight, nine, ten years old, I had some cigarette cards. They were quite nice, collectible ones at the time. And this woman teacher, Mrs Morgan, I never forget her, Mrs Morgan, she took them from me confiscated them, which is fair enough. I shouldn't have had them in the class. I was showing another child. And in front of the whole class, she tore them all up, ripped them all in half. And there's other kids in the class going, oh, 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 look, oh dear. Everyone was shocked. Anyway, one of the mothers, not my mum, one of the kids told his mum, and this kid, uh, kid's mum went up to school and complained. And Mrs Morgan got told, I didn't tell my mum, because she would have said, well, you shouldn't have had the cigarette cards out in the in the class. But she was a horrible woman. I mean, she wasn't at all interested in teaching us. 
You probably think from what I've said all about school and learning about biology and nature tables, I liked it. I didn't. I didn't like school at all. Hated it. Almost every minute of it. I did like one or two little bits about science and the nature table. But the rest of it, I hated it. I hated them and they hated me. <laughs> Unhappy days. We were watching one of these uh, talking pictures things the other night and it was about schools in the 50s and 60s. And the narrator on there, he said, back in those days, the boys' schools were churning out factory workers. And that's exactly what I've always said about my school. They were churning out factory workers because we failed the 11 plus. We didn't go to grammar school. We went to the secondary modern school and they had the metal work shop, the woodwork shop. It was all about training up us lads to become factory workers, basically. And as I've said before, the girls' school, they were training the girls to become housewives. That was it. I know it might sound dreadful now. They didn't want the girls to go to work. I think they, did they teach them to type? No, they didn't even do that. Not at school back then. I think later on at school, they taught the girls to type. But it was, that's the way it was. The boys were factory workers and the girls were housewives and later on mothers so I, I don't know it's awful I don't know what they taught at the grammar school probably more academics you see I would have been no good at that anyway no good teaching me academic type stuff I haven't got a clue what they're talking about Trish and I watched some of these quiz things like um, Pointless and Richard's House of Games and I can't very often I'm saying to her, I can't understand the question what's the question she's answered it and I'm still trying to work out what the question means. And then, you know, they've moved on to the next one. I, what did that mean? <laughs> Hopeless, isn't it? But each to their own. You know, I know people who are really good in business, business people, uh, business brain, and they can't put up a shelf at home. Give them an electric drill and a, a few bits and pieces. They can't put up a shelf. How do you do that? But they're brilliant at business. So... Yeah, each to their own. That's fair enough, isn't it? Talking of education and learning things and knowledge and all that stuff. Do you believe that some people are gifted? I see on, on YouTube, you get a, a girl of three, say a Japanese girl. I don't know why it's often Japanese or Chinese. A girl of two or three. And they're playing a grand piano as a concert pianist would. Have you seen things like that? These little children, girls and boys of say three years old, at the piano, just fantastic. It's amazing. I, I watch a lot of them because I'm just amazed at the way they do it. Is that, a, I mean, they haven't learned it, have they? You can't teach a three-year-old to play the piano as a concert pianist would play the piano. You can't teach them that. So are they born with some kind of gift? I mean, you get a little boy, for example, at three years old playing something. Is he Mozart, do you think? <laughs> <laughs> reincarnated is that is that possible is it a gift there are some things that I know and I don't quite know how I know about them if you know what I mean and that doesn't make sense what am I talking about well if I don't know you certainly don't know now someone recently said about my engine how do you know about this how do you know about that and I said well I, I just know it's sort of in my head I, I just know what to do I haven't been taught I haven't learnt anywhere I just know it's very interesting isn't it but some of these children and you get these youngsters on other instruments violins they just pick up a violin and they can kind of master it within a few minutes it's incredible 
There was one boy in our class uh, at the secondary school. We were 13, 14. He was very interested in metalwork. He loved metalwork in the, the metal workshop on the lathes and all that. And the teacher did pick up on him that he was very not only very interested, but very good. He mastered the lathe and the milling machine and he knew how to do it all. And he went on, he left school. Now, rather than become a factory worker, which we were all supposed to go and do, he, very soon, he had, I think he had two or three years, I can't remember, he did, I met him once and he told me, a few years in a, a factory, then he opened his own business. And a few years later, I saw him driving this brand new Jaguar. Uh, John, his name was, hang on, newsflash, what's happened? 19 people arrested in connection with plans to disrupt the Epsom Derby. Oh, this is the animal rights people. What do they, what do they call now? I can't remember what they call themselves. But yeah, today is Saturday. It's the Epsom Derby. And they have threatened to close the entire thing down, the animal rights people. So this chap, he was driving this brand new Jag around and he stopped and had a chat. And I said, that's a nice car, John. Yeah, that was his name. That's a nice car, John. And he said, uh, oh, I, I've now got two, not metal work, but what are they, metal prefabrication or, I don't know, something to do with metal work, big factories full of machinery and stuff. He had done extremely well. So although he'd been trained up as a factory worker, he ended up as a factory owner. So yeah, that was a good story. I like stories like that, where people have become successful from a kind of nothing, really. I think the animal, it's not animal, uh, animal rising, isn't it? They're now called animal rising, I believe. They don't like horse racing. I must admit, I don't like horse racing because I know some of them get shot. If they fall over, they break a leg or something, they have to be put down, which isn't very nice, obviously. But uh, anyway, I've never been into horse racing and betting and all that. I did go to Goodwood. Was it Goodwood once or Fontwell? I went there once and I just found the whole thing very boring. I didn't like it at all. But there we are, moving on again. What am I talking about now? I have no idea whatsoever. The sun is shining. My shorts are beckoning. When I go out into the garden in my shorts, you hear all the neighbours slamming their windows and the ladies screaming. Hang on, another news flash. Oh, this has happened again. Woman in her 70s dies after dog attack. I mean, this keeps happening. People keep getting molested by dogs and attacked. What's going on? I don't know what's going on there. Woman in her 70s. I'm in my 70s. I can't imagine what that must have been like, that poor woman. There were two people that died at Bournemouth Beach, was it, a couple of days ago? Twelve people were injured. Two have died, a girl of 12 and a, and a man. And I'm not sure. No one seems to know what happened. I don't know what that, that's now WhatsApp. Look, it's all go, isn't it? Saturdays are busy. No one knows what happened. They arrested a chap on suspicion of manslaughter. He was uh, piloting a, a boat or driving a ship or whatever they do. But then they said there was no contact between the, the boat and the people. No one knows what's happening. And on Twitter, people are saying, what's going on? Bournemouth Beach, just off Bournemouth Beach in the sea. What's happening? No one knows. No one's reporting the news as to what's going on. So I don't know. And there have been a few, uh, I say children, early teens, mid-teens, that are drowning because they're going swimming in rivers and lakes and the sea. And they're drowning because the shock of the cold water, you think the temperature outside can be, I don't know, 25 degrees centigrade, really hot. 
So they dive into, say, a river where the water is perhaps possibly as low as five degrees. And of course, the shock to their body, I don't know what happens quite, but they, they drown. There have been one or two of those reported recently. It's awful. Something else in the news today in India, two trains crashed. They collided, I believe. Is it 800 and something people injured? And I can't remember how many were dead. 180 or something dead. The trouble is, I don't know why they do it, but in India, you've probably seen on the TV and on YouTube or whatever, trains, people sit inside the trains as they do normally, but they also sit on the roof and hang off the sides. And they're sitting on the front of the train as well, clinging onto the front. So you can barely see the actual train itself, the carriages and that, because it's absolutely covered in people. Where is the health and safety in India? Well, they obviously haven't got any. They don't have health and safety. Imagine doing that in Britain. Imagine going to Worthing Station here and the trains are full up. So you sort of stand on the on the rail, you know, the, the step where you go into the train and hold on to the, the door handle. You just cling on to the side of the train or clamber on the roof and sit on the roof. That just wouldn't happen. I mean, I don't know whether that's what happened in India, but for that amount of people to be killed and injured, then they must have been on the outside, I don't know, on the train. Ray's rants at protonmail.com if you have any comments or if you want to say, what do you think so far? Rubbish. <laughs> As I've said before, I hope you enjoy the podcast episodes. Hope you enjoy listening to them as much as I enjoy recording them. Just had something else from eBay today, a special connector for one of my radios, which I've got to wire up later. But I think the garden is beckoning. Mother-in-law is out there with Tricia. So uh, I've got to go and show my face. Hello, mother in My favourite mother-in-law she is. Well, she's my only mother-in-law. But I tell her she's my favourite. I get brownie points that way. So raise rants at protonmail.com. Be great to hear from you. I hope the weather's all right where you are. Really nice here, as I've said. And it's supposed to be settled here now all next week as well. I know what'll happen. British weather, you know what'll happen, don't you? Suddenly, overnight, we'll wake up pouring with rain, wind, cold, put the central heating on. <laughs> no, I hope not. But they're still talking. I've re read today uh, online, they're still reporting this heat wave, this plume. Is it coming up from down south, southern Europe somewhere? This absolute heat wave to blast Britain's sizzling barbecues and sweltering heat. Oh, goodness knows what. Nothing ever happens. If it does, I shall report. You'll hear it here first. I shall get to you straight away and tell you that we've got this severe heat wave where temperatures actually reached 25 degrees. Now, I think that's what it is today. 26. That's a heat wave. Once under our patio roof a few years back, 45 degrees centigrade. How about that? 45. We couldn't sit out there. It was awful. But it wasn't awful. It was just very hot. It's nice to have a decent summer, but 45 degrees when you're not used to it. That's the thing. We used to say 22, 23. Next day it's 45 and the day after we're back down to 22, 23 again. I've rambled enough. Take care. Look after yourselves. I shall see you on Wednesday with some midweek uh, rubbish. Uh, sorry, midweek message. <laughs> Happy days. Enjoy yourselves. Enjoy the weather if you're in Britain. And enjoy whatever it is you're doing, wherever you are in the world. Be great to hear from you. And I shall see you on Wednesday. Take care. Bye-bye for now.